You're listening to Country Life with Keith Fahey on Galway Bay FM. Good evening, I'm Keith Fahey and welcome to this week's edition of Country Life. On the show this week, I'll be talking to Liam Kelly from Crawhull Veterinary Clinic. We'll also be talking to David Harney, from, who is an IFA sheep representative. And we'll be talking to Sarah Noonan from Willow and Wild Farm on Growing Flowers. Plus, we will have all the latest from the marts and any farming news from across the county. And to get in contact with the show, you can email us on countrylife at galwaybayfm.ie. That's countrylife at galwaybayfm.ie. So, just in relation to some mart reports there, uh, the Loch Ray Mart, the sheep sale, there was a very large entry last Thursday with a similar trade on the previous week. Some hoggets, uh, so some hogget prices there. A 36, ki- 36 kilo hogget sold for 91 euro, a 39.6 kilo hogget sold for 112, 40 kilo hoggets sold for 118, 42.7 kilos sold for 128. Then onto some yo prices, an 81 kilo yo sold for 102, an 87.5 kilo yo sold for 119, an 85.5 kilo yo sold for 137, a 93.5 kilo yo sold for 140 euro. Then onto the cattle sale and uh, from the Loch Ray Mart, there was a hundred percent clearance, and some cow prices included a Charlie Cross five fifty kilo sold for 12, selling for twelve hundred and thirty euro, a Jersey Cross cow at five eighty kilo sold for thirteen fifty, a Hereford Cross cow weighing six hundred and ten kilo sold for a thousand and fifty. Um, then on to the heifers. Uh, the heifers, the prices generally range from 258 to 312 a kilo. An exceptional 640 kilo limousine cross sold for 2,190. And then on to some other heifer prices, an Aberdeen Angus cross sold for 372 euro. Uh, 372 kilos sold for 1,000 euro. A limousine cross heifer weighing 395 kilos sold for 1,100. A limousine cross weighing 390 kilos sold for 11.70. Then on to some bullock prices from the Loch Ray Mart. Uh, three Aberdeen Angus cross bullocks weighing 426 kilos sold for 1,200 euro. A uh, Belgian blue cross weighing 520 kilos sold for 12.60. Uh, so they went to the Tume Mart. There was a buy and bank holiday trade Tume um, Mart um, on a, in Tume uh, on Monday, uh, yesterday. So some sample prices included a 500. Some sample cow prices included a 590 kilo limousine cross. Uh, sold for 1830 or that's 310 a kilo a 685 kilo Charlie Cross sold for 1890 a 770 uh, kilo uh, Blanc Cross sold for 2130 or 277 a kilo an 830 kilo Short Horn Cross Cow sold for 2360 or 284 a kilo some sample heifer prices um, from the Tune Mart on Monday yesterday uh, 425 kilo Limousine Cross Heifer sold for 1320 a 440 kilo limousine cross heifer made 1340. A 445 kilo limousine cross heifer made 1370. A 500 kilo Charlie cross heifer made 1660, or that equates to 3 euro and 32 cent a kilo. A 565 kilo Charlie cross heifer made 1780 or 315 a kilo. Then on to some sample bullock prices. A 405 kilo Aberdeen Angus cross sold for 1200 or 296 a kilo. A 555 kilo Charlie Cross Bullock sold for 17.50 or 3.16 a kilo. A pair of 575 kilo Bullocks weighing seven, uh, weighing uh, 565 kilos made 17.60. Um, then onto some sample heifer prices. A 235 kilo Charlie Cross heifer sold for 3 euro and 40 cent a kilo. That equates to 800 euro. A 285 kilo Charlie Cross made 8.70 or 3.05 a kilo. A 3.65 kilo limousine Cross sold for 1400 or 3.84 a kilo. Then onto some sample weighing bull prices. 
a pair of 372 kilo Charlie Cross bull whaling sold for 1200 euro. A 375 kilo limousine bull whaling sold for 1180 or that's 315 a kilo. A 380 kilo limousine cross uh, bull bull weaning sold for 11.50 and uh, next week we'll see the return of the evening weaning sales from Monday the 13th of February kicking off at 5.30pm uh, after the morning sale which takes place at 11am and booking and inquiries for the two marts is 0932243530 so that's just some mart reports from uh, across the county so first up on Country Life this evening we're delighted to have uh, vet Liam Kelly on the line with us so Liam uh, works in the Crowell Veterinary Clinic um, and also can be seen on Instagram on, uh, through Adventures of a Galway Vet so Liam you're very welcome on to Country Life I suppose firstly can you tell us a little bit about yourself uh, maybe where you did veterinary and why you decided to do it Keith how are you thanks very much for having me on um, yeah veterinary I suppose look at always something that I wanted to do I um, like qualified there from UCD um, in Dublin um, back in 2015 and um, ah, look at it, it's one of those things really that, that people say that veterinary is a vocation and, and the longer you stay at it you realise that it really it really is it, it, you have to love it from, from the ground up um, I'm uh, I'm currently doing mixed practice which are, which are primarily focused on, on our large animals which is our, our beef and our beef dairy and Sucklers and, and sheep, but um, a small bit of a small bit of cats and dogs as well, just to kind of throw that into the mix. And um, and from that, I suppose, with the time of year that's in it, it's it's just getting busier and busier. January and February are, are kind of our um, our real go to times. It's 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 like at eleven to midnight now. Um, we're uh, we're heating up with with lambs and calves and and everything else that goes with it. Very good. Yeah, as you said, it's obviously a crazy busy time of the year on farms, you know, I suppose a lot of calving and lambing starting. Um, I suppose, how, you know, can farmers make sure that they have, you know, the basics right in terms of calving and lambing uh, when doing so indoors, Liam? Yeah, look, I suppose the, um, it's never really been more important to kind of get the basics right with the, with the price of all materials and the price of feed and everything that, that's going up and up and up. Um, and farmers obviously have to keep an eye on that. I mean, it's um, it's a situation here and definitely in the west of Ireland, whatever about Galway, where I find farmers are, in a lot of cases, their primary goal is, is um, unlike what a lot of people might think, their primary goal is, is not actually a financial outcome. Um, it, it, it's more focused towards um, a healthy stock and, uh, and a healthy spring season, especially for your for your your your, sheet, your spring calving and spring lambing flocks and herds, um, basics absolutely. Um, hygiene is 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 obviously number one. So it is. There's been there's been an awful lot of um, uh, investment really put in there over the last two to three years. I would call it the COVID era um, with um, with with infrastructure and and on farm equipment and and whatnot. Um, hygiene is something that regardless of, of what infrastructure is in place really needs to take primary focus. I mean, you talk about a lot of people building new sheds and um, uh, for the sake of making life a small bit easier for themselves. Yeah, yeah, like it's, it's the, the, the main thing that I would, that I would be um, saying is that it, it's not to compensate uh, new infrastructure with, with the hygiene, good hygiene practices. Um, you, you don't exactly get a new shed just so that you don't have to, 
put iodine on navels. It's it's more a case of you get a new shed so that it's it's easier to catch the lambs and catch the calves and put iodine on their navels and 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 show increase those management factors that are they're they're the, really the hardest part of your day. Really is, is carrying out chores. Um, and um, the other side of that then would be obviously preventative medicines. I mean, in in the past, I found that preventative medicines have been a luxury, really. And the way things are now, it's it's a necessity. Um, the likes of um, the likes of our, our pneumonia vaccines, the likes of our scour vaccines, the likes of our mineral boluses, and all that. That's it's a much more mainstream now than it was five, ten years ago. Um, people are much more clued in. Farmers are much more clued in, really, on making sure that we have every everything right for the animals so that we don't end up in a situation where it, it's pretty much what we call an outbreak. Um, the one good thing I would say from the COVID era, if you want to put it like that, would be that the general population, and farmers are obviously no different, um, are much more tuned in now to biosecurity, to the infectious spread, and to the ideas of isolation. And really, that is going to be number one and has been has been number one, really. And any any successful farm has been practicing it regardless that um, early intervention and, and early removal of a sick animal so that it can be hospitalized and treated appropriately. And, and once um, all going well, once go, it, it does return to normal health, but only at that point it's, it's um, replaced back into the general population. Um, it's the it's the stopping the spread, really. And hygiene is, is where all that starts. Um, you mentioned minerals boluses there, uh, Liam. You know, mineral supplementation, I suppose, this time of the year is of vital importance, especially when feeding pregnant yos uh, and cows for that. Uh, I suppose, what are the key minerals uh, that farmers need to watch when feeding a pre-calving uh, mineral to pregnant animals? And I suppose, maybe, are you seeing any issues of maybe underfeeding or o- even overfeeding of minerals uh, through flocks and herds throughout your travels? Um, overfeeding of minerals, I find, is a little bit of a controversial topic um, because uh, I suppose with with minerals themselves, it's it's difficult to to overfeed um, uh, when you're using when especially when you're using powders or lift buckets or whatever because the animals tend to self-regulate uh, with with those type of things. They can only take in or they'll only let themselves take in so much powder. And if you have lick buckets out, they'll only go to the lick buckets when they want to go to the lick buckets. Um, as regards to to issues that we've seen so far that I've come across so far this year, definitely um, the um, iodine and selenium issues very much geographical. I see it around um, where I'm practicing between Crawford and Lockery areas. Um, a lot of deficiencies of iodine off the back of, of a lot of farmers making use of, of brassica type crops, your red start and rape, a kale, that sort of a thing. Um, the, the 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 issue with that is that it, it those root crops they they tie up iodine, um, and you end up having issues in late in late gestation and and we'll say at calving with with weak calves and early premature calves being born. Um, so that that's definitely something that that has, has cropped up in the last in the last um in the last year or two years, and and this year has been no different. Um, now, what I would say is that with with the advocate of 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 um of bolusing becoming a lot more mainstream uh, definitely with cattle um, you mentioned um, copper selenium as I was saying iodine and cobalt um, they're the four mainstays really on top of 
other individual issues that individual farms might be having and that's kind of something that you need to discuss with your with your um your local veterinarian just to make sure that you're you're not leaving anything out number one and, and number two that you're not over supplementating for something that might not be necessary um there's there's really only one way of getting to the bottom of that and that is mineral testing there's forage analysis and there's mineral testing um, without knowing exactly what's going in you you, you can't you can't try and understand or you, you can't go to guess um what's actually what the animal has actually taken um from from the from the forage um obviously obviously with um nut feeding and that sort of thing we we have the analysis in the back of the bag but um you know you're you're kind of shooting into the dark if if you haven't got that information behind you um now i would say with it's the same issues really that you're seeing a lot in in cattle as you are in with, with sheep um less so with the iodine um but more so in point with um white muscle disease um which is it sort of affects the lamb soon after birth of a deficiency of selenium and vitamin e um again there's there's plenty of options out there so there is bolus wise mineral wise and injectable wise um for for uh, supplementing um pregnant yos and pregnant pregnant cows um it is um, it is the start of February, but I've noticed that an awful lot of um, sheep flocks and um, suckler um, suckler farms have extended out the calving and, and the lambing period into into the middle of March and, and April. So it's um, it's while we're sort of nearly there, it's uh, there's still there's still time to kind of make those types of changes. And Liam as well, I suppose lamb and calf scars, you know, are probably two of the main, or uh, probably one of the main issues, you know, uh, causing sickness in young animals at farm level this time of the year, uh, especially during spring. You mentioned hygiene there. I suppose that's probably a massive influence and impact on uh, uh, reducing and eliminating scours. I suppose, how can farmers, you know, reduce, we'll say, the incidence and maybe, secondly, deal with um, uh, calf scours? We see dehydration is probably the the main killer when animals do get scoured and that, you know, they they obviously need need more water and electrolytes and that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, calf scours is, um, calf scours and lamb scours is it's there every year as well. It's, it's, I suppose a lot of it is part of the intensification that we have and, and um, calving and lambing down indoors. Um, it's unavoidable to a certain extent, but as you said, prevention-wise, um, there's a really, really good vaccine out there that is very effective. Um, it's, it's given generally three weeks to three months before calving for, for the cows. Um, and that boosts the antibodies in the colostrum, which, as long as it's given to the calf, um, the calf does get excellent protection from it. Um, now, that said, there can always be breakdowns. Quality of colostrum, unless it's checked, is, is, is obviously um, something that is not, always, um, is not always done. But, I mean, within reason, um, where there are breakdowns, that as, we're, as we're kind of alluding to our, towards the start there, the hygiene issue would come into it in that you're decreasing the amount of infectious pressure on the on the ground. I mean, obviously a calf that has a rotavirus or a cryptovirus coming out of a cabin pen um, you, and going into a sick area, that cabin pen is essentially um, is essentially ground zero for for uh, for the next calf and the next cow that goes into it. So um, those type of issues need to be kind of kept in the back of your mind so that you're you're not. Um, you're, you're avoiding really an ongoing outbreak uh, rather than just an isolated issue. Um, as regards to, to calf scours, yeah, calves and calves and lambs are they're very susceptible to getting dehydrated quite quickly, and we're all 
well astute um, and well aware that um, one of the one of the main signs to see for that would be the, the recessed eye or the eye kind of got into the back of the head. Um, can't be understated really the value of of oral electrolyte replacement therapy and um, and obviously um, the the old advocate was to to hold back the milk. Um, but we know now that that isn't as beneficial as, as originally thought and that um, some milk and some energy does need to be going into these calves that are quite sick and, and obviously have quite a lot of um, damage on the gut lining. Um, yes, where there's, where there's uh, sufficient dehydration on the calf is very lethargic and, and, and almost comatose, um, those, those types of calves are not going to come on oral rehydration uh, alone. They, they're, they're almost certainly going to need to see your vet in which case um, they'd be put on an IV drip and, uh, and try to be resuscitated that way because um, those calves can tend to get quite acidotic as well, um, which is um, something that can be corrected in a vet on, on the IV drip. Um, beyond beyond that, on, on the land side of things, is I suppose with the advocates that um, you know there's a restriction common um, with with prescription medicines. There's there's a reduction there that's, that's being proposed with uh, antibiotics. It's, it's never really been more important to kind of practice the hygiene as well as um, as well as can be done and can be feasibly done. Um, everyone's talking now about the, the lack of labour in nearly every nearly every walk of life, and, and that's no different for the average farmer. I mean, um, farm labour is 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 as um, is as hard to get as, as any other profession, really. You know. So um, once hygiene is, is kept up as, as much as they possibly can, once preventative measures are put in as best as they possibly can, and um, and once there's a little protocol in place so that these things can be sorted before they become an outbreak, then that obviously reduces the amount of time that's being spent on, um, on dealing with these issues and taking up space and sheds that, that a lot of farmers don't have really. And until uh, you're very, you're very much... Um, you're very much sort of uh, at the whim of, of what the weather is like, whether animals can leave sheds or not. So you, you need to kind of obviously um, have things as right as they can possibly be to prevent yourself kind of running around like a headless chicken um, and, and try and fight, fight the fires. And you also mentioned, you know, the the importance of colostrum there and first milk management as well. Uh, you know, we see a lot of farmers maybe testing the quality of the colostrum with your refractometer. That uh, is there? Can, do you see, you know, on a daily basis, there must be a big difference between very good quality colostrum and poor quality colostrum, or is this an issue you're seeing? Absolutely. Um, several farms there, we've we've uh, we've implemented um, uh, bricks refractometers. Um, very very simple test just to take a little colostrum sample and drop it down on top of the on top of the um, the little eyepiece. Um, the the one thing I would take from it is no more than on the point of scours is um, some people some people reckon you can you can guess or gauge gauge what type of scour it is by the smell of it or the look of it. Um, but it's the same it's the same issue really with um with colostrum. Um some colostrum can look excellent. Um this real nice creamy, um creamy yellow beastins that, that, that people are is like is like the holy grail. People see is like is like the holy grail, but it turns out really that when once you actually go and until you actually go and measure that colostrum then um it's it's uh it, it can be quite misleading. And I suppose Liam as well, can you tell us maybe a little bit about, you know, the dangers or we'll say the issue of warming near lambing? Yeah, so I suppose with the um 
we use close to lamb and we know that they, they have a waning of immunity to worms. Um, so it, it really is a good time to kind of knuckle down and, and have a look at um, have a look at worm and yews around lamb. Um, you're, what I'd always say is it's a very good time, especially when yews are coming into the shade now and, and if they have the early flocks haven't already lambed themselves and they're heading out, the, um, the, later, the later flocks are starting to come in now if they're not already started. So uh, you're, you're more than likely seeing your vet um, and you're more than likely um, coming in and out to get, get clin- or general supplies and whatnot. And it's a very, very good opportunity really to bring in um, fecal samples and muck samples to, um, to see if your yews actually do need warming or not. Now, we're, we're very lucky again in 2023 that the, the Animal Health Ireland Initiative of Fireside Control, um, which is organised between, between your, your, your regular vet and yourself, is, um, is being carried on. So I would be inclined to say it would be, you know, it would be well within your, um, well within your means to, to have, that, have that discussion and, 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 get the most out, and get the most out of it. Um, but again, um, no more than what we were saying about the mineral testing. Without having that bit of uh, diagnostics done, um, you're kind of um, you're just shooting into the dark, and, and that obviously is not something that's that's, that's consistent, and that's not something that's really um, very uh, very sustainable for the future. It's obviously a very busy time for yourself as well. I'm sure you have a lot of sleepless nights and uh, get a lot of night calls and that. Uh, I suppose, how can uh, people get in contact with you, Liam? Um, your uh, Instagram uh, page is obviously very um, yeah, informative and I find it very uh, interesting. You know, you, you've a lot, you're from a sick cat to a, a, a tortoise to a cow down. There's a, there's a lot of different content on it. <laughs> I, I don't remember seeing a tortoise on it now, but <laughs> there might be one. There might be one snuck in there somewhere. Um, yeah, look, it was only two years ago that someone asked me about. Uh, I was doing some. I can't remember what it was. But I was doing something that I uh, maybe it was, could have been a cesarean section, and um, they said um, it was sort of mentioned that how how interesting the job is, and if you ask a lot of you ask a lot of vets, they'll, they'll say that their their job is the least is the least interesting thing in the world. Um, but especially especially large animal farm animal vets. Um, but um, I started documenting about two years ago, and it, and it's amazing, really, the platform of Instagram and, as you said, the the, the adventures of the Gala vet 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 persona. Um, it it's a really really good platform to share information, and you know there's there's times there where I might put up um up a case where, where maybe I'm not 100% what's going on and or it's a case that I just want to um, share the experience with either other vets or students or the general population, general farming population as well because you know farming community has always um, has always tended to be quite a private community and it was it was a case of you know you don't really let someone in, in your yard unless you trusted them first but with the advocate of, of, of the online thing becoming a lot more mainstream now, um, it's, it's a, such a good way of, of sharing information and showing how things are done in one place and not done in another place. Something that might work for someone uh, here might not work for someone on the other, on the other, on the other side of the, the Atlantic, not mind the other side of Ireland. Um, so it's, um, it's, been, it's been really interesting kind of getting, getting perspective from 
I suppose different vets and and different farming enterprises around the place as well. You know, there's 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 everything there, as you said. There's there's exotics. There's there's um, uh, dairy, huge huge dairy, um, huge dairy farms, massive uh, beef feedlots out in the Middle East. I mean, it's it's crazy, really, when you think you're talking to people that are on the other side of the world about something that um, sort of nearly unites us all um, in in trying to take care and, and I suppose for, for on one side of things get the most out of our, our um of our enterprises but also get the best results. And at the end of the day, no matter whether it be veterinarians or students or farmers, um or, or whatever sector of the agri of the agri business, like we're all we're all looking for the same outcome and, and and um at the end of the day we're all one community whether whether we like it or not. Very good. Liam Kelly uh, from Crowell Veterinary Clinic uh, and can also be found in Adventures of a Galway Vet on Instagram. Thanks very much for coming on Country Life. Thanks very much. Thanks for having me, Keith. Country Life, brought to you by your credit union. Education. From enrolment to graduation, your credit union supports your education. Credit unions in Ireland are regulated by the Central Bank. Terms and conditions apply. So next up, we're delighted of David Harney. So David is an IFA sheep rep. Uh, David, you're very welcome to Country Life. So I suppose the first thing we want to talk about, David, is the new IFA uh, regional sheep meeting, which is on tomorrow evening. Uh, so that's Wednesday at 8pm in the Ardry Hotel Tum. So the IFA regional sheep meeting tomorrow evening, Wednesday at 8pm in the Ardry Hotel in Tum. The air code is H54V267, h 5 V267. So David, they're going, you're going to cover a, a range of different topics. You're going to cover market prices, profitability, uh, the new sheep welfare scheme, uh, the bar fo- BAR funding and uh, dog control obviously is a big one as well. Um, and there's going to be speakers from the IFA, the Irish Farmers Journal and the Department of Agriculture and all are welcome. So David, you're welcome on. I suppose you might give us a, a bit of an introduction there to yourself maybe, um, what you do with the IFA and uh, what's going to be covered uh, tomorrow. Uh, hi Keith, uh, thanks for having me on your show. Uh, David Harney is my name, I'm from Ahaskara, um, I'm the sheep rep for Galway IFA. Um, look, I'm coming to speak to you about the meeting tomorrow night in Troom. Um, we have Stephen Canavan, uh, the county chair, is chaired in the meeting. We have um, Darden Carty from the IFA is going to do a breakdown on the prices and the profitability of sheep going forward and we have Kevin Cumminski then uh, talking about the work of uh, the IFA Sheep Committee at a national level. Um, just on current prices were, were trending probably 20 euros behind where we were this time last year. Um, at the moment prime lamb of 140 is not profitable with hogget finisher in excess of 500 a ton. It's driving finishing, it's Putting finished lamb out of um, reach for the farmers profitable ways. We're feeding lambs at home there, and they're going to they're losing money. Um, it's just going forward. It, it can't continue. We need we need to take the factories to task on what's going on. Why we we're seeing big sheep prices across Europe well well ahead of the current price in Ireland, thirty to forty euros ahead. Um, it's just it's unsustainable going forward. 
Yeah, yeah, we've seen, you know, the article there uh, was reading in the uh, Irish Farming Independent, uh, John Fagan there, who's a substantial uh, sheep farmer there and a regular contributor to the Irish um, Farming Independent. And he said, you know, it's it's disillusional to realise that I'd be better off selling my flock and renting out my land. Uh, I suppose this is a massive statement, um, David. And obviously, you know, it's true, I suppose, the shockingly, uh, with uh, land prices, as you mentioned there, uh, way back at the moment, um, I suppose why prices obviously are number one you mentioned there a sheep finishing ration at over 500 euro a ton uh, sheep prices being well back you know is there any we'll say what is the outlook looking like in the future there can we see any new markets opening up you know we see China there obviously uh, with the beef is obviously a massive uh, boost there is there any new markets um, coming along the line for the lamb or you know what are we going to see in the near future well when the EDA tagging was brought in four years ago, we were sold that on the promise that it would get us into the American market and open up the Chinese market. But looking at those two markets, they're currently being supplied by New Zealand and Australia. If we are to try and get into those markets and a cost to match them and cost price, it's still not viable or it's not profitable going forward. Um, we have to look at uh, expanding our markets in, in Europe and it's the, it's the number one mar- leading market to be in, selling lamb. Um, we're looking at European prices ext- extremely strong. The factories are they're saying they can't sell lamb due to inflation and their, their cost of production, but it's, it's not adding up with the prices in Europe. The factory, what the factories are saying is just not adding up. Um, Economics-wise, it's like realistically... Farmers can't afford to finish lambs. There is going to be a serious backlog of hoggets going forward into the spring lamb trade, and this could be detrimental to the buys lamb and yours, dairy lamb and yours. Uh, going forward, you could be looking at John Fagan's article. It's correct. It's true. You majority of sheep farmers are making a lot more money, but that's it's not realistic. It, lads aren't going to set their land in the morning, or farmers aren't going to set their land in the morning for profitability. It's they want to be farming. They want to make money farming. That's their job. That's what they want to do. But they have to be given that opportunity. Yeah, and we've seen the, you know, the IFA uh, sheep meeting there um, in Atlone, I think it was, uh, in the week gone by. Michael Gottstein was spoke at it when we had done Country Life here uh, last week. You know, he mentioned that sheep farmers are only make, are left with a profit of approximately €7 Euro a year. As he said, you know, this isn't sustainable. We have to see, you know, more markets coming on stream. Prices have to lift. Um, you know, farmers are you know obviously going to have a crazy busy few weeks now. In the next, I suppose we see the end of February, really start of March, where the majority of of um, lambing flocks will start lambing. You know, it's 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 kind of disheartening. Uh, you know, heading into lambing uh, at the busiest time of the year, knowing that these prices are you know where they are at the moment. Well, farmers now are, are feeding the oats to get ready to start lambing, and they can't see. The profit, where their profit is going to come in 2023 from feeding your animals to yours now, the next six or seven or eight weeks going forward. Um, if we get bad weather or anything turns against us, it's going to be a, it's going to be fierce disheartening for farmers to sell to see that there could be talking next summer to say they'd be giving away their lambs. There'd be no if if there was no mar- if on Michael Godstein's report at seven euros a for last year. The, Prices have rose this year. If if land prices don't go to match inflation, um, there won't be a profit to be made next year for sheep farmers. They'll be losing money. And that's why in my time in the IFA, we've been pushing the government for a €30 euro sheep welfare scheme. 
to bring some sort of income to sheep farmers to go forward to try and improve. And at current levels, the seven euros a year, you're at absolutely nothing. There's no profit to be made off of sheep farming. Can you tell us a little bit about the new sheep welfare scheme, maybe some of the actions uh, farmers can choose and how much they will get per year? Does it? It's kept at 12 euros for you, but which is the actions that are included in the department are buying a five-star ram, but that has to be genotyped. And it's looking like the amount of farmers that have gone in for this scheme and have gone into buying their genotype ram in year one, that they've over a certain amount of years, they have to buy two rams. Um, there's not going to be enough genotype rams in the country. It's, it's a pure... This scheme has been badly thought out by the department going forward. It's unworkable for some a lot of sheep farmers. It's just it should be kept straightforward more for the man that's lambing the oars and doing trying to do things right to get to go forward to make more profit, make sheep farm more profitable. But it's just it's a badly thought out scheme and it's going to be poorly it'll be it'll be poorly drawn down because sheep farmers won't go to the extra work for the twelve euros. It's not worth the the hassle the extra paperwork and everything that's involved and trying to source rams of that are right and if there's a could it going forward it'll inflate the market for these five star ARR rams that probably aren't going to be enough available for year one. It's looking that way because so many farmers have gone in. The department need to give more leniency for farmers to change their thing that maybe they can buy a ram in year two or four or whatever changes around that it works to suit the farmer best as opposed to not just natu- unnaturally inflating the prices of these rams. Dog control, uh, David, is another major issue, I suppose, especially maybe in, in more built-up parts of the of rural Ireland, as we'd say. Um, you know, how important is it uh, for um, members of the public to ensure that their dogs are known or that they know where their dogs are at all times and they're kept on leads and leashes when they're being walked? Yeah, this is, um, look, it's every week we're hearing about more cases up and down the country of um, dog attacks and sheep. This time of year, it's, it's, it's always, it increases this time of year at long evenings and people having dogs locked up and just letting them out and stuff. Look, um, going forward, the government, like, they're bringing out this working group, but it's, I, it's two years since the ISA launched the, the No Dogs Allowed campaign. Um, to try and bring more media spotlight on this, it's a massive problem. Um, the government have got to tighten up and have harsher penalties for people that are, are breaching these laws because it's it's not good enough this time of year. You're wiping out a sheep farm. If the flock of yours are attacked now, you could wipe out 90, 100% of a sheep farmer's um, income for the year. One, you'll run into abortions, you'll have so much trouble lambing, extra trouble lambing yours and everything that's after dog attacks. I know we, we had it at home a few years ago, it was a batch of 30 yours, um attacked with dogs. We finished up with four live lambs out of 30 yours. Wow. It's just what happens. Yeah, yeah. It's obviously, you know, and even at the, the stress on the yours the and the lambs and even ones, we'll say, ones that aren't hurt or injured, it, it can cause abortion, it can cause injury, it can cause scale and I suppose jumping over the wall, jumping walls, etc. It's a, it's a massive, uh, it's a massive issue at the moment, and you know people need to take responsibility for their dogs if they're if they if they're willing to hold mind a dog, they have to make sure that they know where they are at all times. So David, just 
watched it. We'll give the the a mention again there just to the IFA. Uh, so the IFA Regional Sheep Meeting is on tomorrow evening, Wednesday at 8pm in the Ardry Hotel in Tume and the air code is H54V267. Uh, so the, the three speakers there will be Stephen Canavan, Darren Carty and Kevin Comiskey and Mart Prices, Profitability, new, the New Sheep Welfare Scheme, uh, BAR Bar Funding and Dog Control will be covered. So thanks very much, uh, Dave, for coming on Country Life. Thank you, Keith. Country Life, brought to you by your credit union. Cultivate, providing farm-friendly finance across the west of Ireland. Credit unions in Ireland are regulated by the Central Bank. Terms and conditions apply. So next up, we're delighted to have Sarah Noonan on the line. So uh, Sarah is from Willow and Wild Farm. So Sarah has her own business set up um, there and she's going to tell us a little bit about it. So Sarah, you're very welcome on to, uh, on to Country Life. Um, you might give our listeners maybe a little bit of an introduction maybe to yourself, maybe what course you did and how you got into um, the Willow and Wild Farm. Okay. Um, hi, Keith. And thanks for having me on the show today. Um, like I said, I'm Sarah and... I have a small little flower and vegetable farm in Foxford, County Mayo. Um, I did horticulture in UCD. Um, I always really, really love plants, so really it was no surprise when I decided to go down that route. Um, so, yeah, well, I was really interested in the farm to fork movement. Um, so it was really all about growing veg and flowers and where they came from. And that really was what I wanted to pursue my career in. So when I was there, I went and I did my work experience in Ballymew House for, I think, it's about six months. So that was really a great experience because Serena Allen is one of the pioneering women in the farm to fork movement. Um, so I yeah, know that was brilliant. And then on graduating, I went and I worked for Richard Corrigan for two years. So we grow all the flowers and vegetables for his hotel in Cavan. It's a big wedding venue now. Um, so that was an amazing experience. It was about a two-acre market garden and then like all the hotel grounds and all that stuff for our responsibility. So that was an amazing experience. Um, but I always miss the sea. I'm from Westport originally, so it was hard to settle inland. The lakes of Cavan weren't enough for me. So... Um, I got offered a job down in the Hinch and I jumped at the chance. I was moving right back at the sea and that's exactly what I wanted. So I was there for six years. I worked at a small boutique hotel. Um, we had a farm there. We ate extra cows and pigs and sheep. And all the meat was for the hotel. And then we did about an acre of a garden where we grew all the veg for the hotel and all the flowers too. So. My career has always been about sustainability and knowing where your food and your flowers came from. So that's a bit of my background, really. Very good, very good. And uh, I suppose, yeah. can you tell us a bit about the business then, Willow and Wild Farm, um, and when it was set up? So we're a very young business. Um, we're only about a year old. Um, like with everybody, my life was really turned around with COVID. Um, I I was living down in Hinch at the time, as I said, but I've been seeing a guy in Mayo and I said, sure, I'll go up to you for maybe two months until this thing passes over. And in the end, I wound up never leaving. The hotel actually closed. So um, I had no job to go back to. And I actually loved life in Mayo anyway, so it was all for the best. Um, so yeah, no, we're only about a year old. I found it quite hard to find a job. 
around here that I liked and wasn't too far away. It's probably the one downside of horticulture. It's usually you move to the job. There's not a whole pile of work in Ireland and especially in the West Ireland for it. So I decided I'd try and set up my own little business. Um, we had a small garden here. Um, it is actually the garden of the cottage that we live in. We live in Enda's grandparents' cottage. So it was the garden they grew all their cabbages and carrots and potatoes in. And we planted up that. And I also had way, way too much vegetables. I had a small polytunnel as well. And I used to be just giving it to people. And then I decided, you know, there's probably a bit of a business opportunity around here. So I decided I'd set up a small veg box business just for neighbours. And I'd try a local cafe too with um, salads and veg during the summer. And then the other aspect of my business is I have a flower farm. And I really specialise in dried flowers. So I make a lot of dried flower reeds and bouquets. And I sell them on my website. And then I do a lot of workshops around the country, teaching people how to grow their own flowers and make their own wreaths. And I do weddings too. Very good, very good. You're busy, busy here all the time. (laughs) Yeah, so there's a a lot of difference. So you have veg boxes, you do weddings, dry flowers, decorations. um, There's a lot covered there, I suppose. How can people contact you? Uh, You mentioned that you have a website there. Yeah, so I have a website, uh, ie or else Instagram, it's at willowandwildfarm. Um, well, the best ways. Very good. Get in touch with me. So what's the yeah. fav- favourite part of the job? Um, and, and I suppose some, oh. of, some of the challenges maybe uh, on the other side, Sarah, I suppose it's, it's probably very difficult uh, to manage a lot of uh, fresh food and, you know, fresh products, I suppose, with their short life. I suppose you need to be very organised and have to, you know, yeah. ha- have, have things, have dates set and all that. Yeah, definitely. This time of year, it's, it's all about planning. Basically, I'm sitting at a desk looking exactly what I'm going to own every week to, to know what I will be harvesting every week. It's all about having the succession because there's no point in having a million tomatoes one week and then nothing the next week or 50 heads of cauliflower in July and then not one in August. So, um, yeah, it's all about planning. Um, I suppose my favourite part of the business would be the summer, basically, when you're knocking on people's doors with a, a lovely big basket of veg and you just see the joy on their face and just all of the colour and light that's around the place in the summer. It just makes all the hard work worthwhile. Very good. So what's the plans for yeah. the business going forward, Sarah? Um, so I'm hoping to host workshops on the farm. That is the goal for this year. So to educate people on how to grow their own food and grow their own flowers. And I've also upscaled the veg box business this year. So that's just, just baby steps. Oh, very good. Very good. Yeah. So uh, Willow and Wild Farm uh, website. And it can also be found Willow and Wild Farm on Instagram as well, so um, in ve- so there's veg boxes, weddings. You also do weddings. So, uh, in in terms of geographical areas, uh, what what areas are you covering for weddings? Weddings, I can do all Ireland. I'll have to charge a small transporting fee, but I can go anywhere. Okay, <laughs> very good. That's that's the that's the motto. Yeah, very good. <laughs> so. Um, so you also um, so the dry flowers as well. Can you tell us a little bit about more about that maybe and what's involved yeah. in growing them and you know how they're harvested? Yeah, so like I really got into the dry flowers just because of 
sustainability aspect of them, like a bunch of flowers, they'll only last you a week at the most. So I was like, there has to be some way around this. So basically I'll pull all my flowers now in the next few weeks and then they'll grow and I'll be harvesting them in the summer and then I pick them and I hang them up inside and it takes about two weeks to dry and then I store them all away. So I'm using flowers now that I harvested last July and August. Um, but it's just the sustainability that I really like and I find an awful lot of brides like it too because they can keep their wedding bouquet then forever. Okay. And it's the memories associated with the day then. So, Very good. Um, yeah, that's kind of... Very good. So, uh, Sarah Noonan from Willow and Wild Farm. Um, thanks very much for coming on uh, Country Life. I think there was a very good insight there into you know a lot of different areas that you're covering your veg boxes, your weddings, and as you mentioned, uh, uh, location is not an issue. Uh, you're willing to travel, so uh, dry flowers, decorations as well. And you also mentioned uh, Instagram. You have a lot of um, info on Instagram. Yeah. So what's the name of yeah. or how can people uh, see your you know the different uh, uh, products and um, fruit and veg that you do? So if you just give me a follow at, at Willow and Vile Farm and I usually try and post daily and I give a good insight into farm life and what's happening and just a bit of education about what you can sow each week and I also have a newsletter you can sign up to on the website and I just give it few little jobs to do in your own garden or a little insight on what we are doing on the farm at that moment in time too so if you want to keep up with the news that's the best way and you can subscribe on the website www.withonmyfarm.ie very good thanks very much for coming on Country Life Sarah so that's it this week from Country Life we hope you enjoyed the show um, and if there are any topics or any queries that you'd like covered please don't hesitate to email us at countrylife at gallerbayfm.ie so you can email us at countrylife at gallerbayfm.ie and we'd also like to thank our speakers Liam Kelly from Crocodile Veterinary Clinic and also can be found on Adventures of a Galway Vet on Instagram uh, David Harney IFA Sheep Representative who spoke on the event happening on the IFA Regional Sheep Meeting which is on tomorrow Tomorrow evening, Wednesday at 8pm in the Ardry Hotel in Tume and the air code is H54V267 uh, and Stephen Canavan uh, from the IFA, Darren Carty from the Irish Farmers Journal and Kevin Kominsky from the IFA will talk on market prices, profitability, the new sheep welfare scheme, BAR bar funding and dog control. Um, so that's the IFA regional event. Um, so and also there's another event the Chagas Forestry Clinic is on Wednesday the 15th of February uh, this month um, so just to help answer those questions Chagas is organising a free one-to-one clinic in the Ballinasloe Chagas office on Wednesday the 15th of February for, for forestry officers um, show many opportunities for farmers and landowners additional income biodiversity enhancement water protection environmental sustainability timber production and are all supported by a range of reforestation management grants and premiums the proposed new 23 to 2027 forestry programme offers increased planting grants and annual premiums to plant a range of new forests from native and commercial to a mixed uh, forest and agroforestry um, however, like many new farm enterprises and land use, forestry can raise many questions. A Chagas Forestry Clinic is an ideal opportunity to explore how forestry can work for you, whether you're thinking about planting and already or, or already have a forest. A one-to-one consultation with an experienced Chagas Forestry Advisor will provide independent and objective advice. Prior to uh, So prior booking is essential. So to book your consultation, please contact the Chagas office on 090 96 
042456 and bring maps as well um, from your BPS map. So organize a, a meeting. You must ring 090 964 2456 so that's it um, for this week's episode of Country Life we thank you for listening next up is Melodies followed by The Nightfly with Doc